few weeks back, we changed our clocks. Some of us, without children or pets, leapt for joy because we gained an extra hour of sleep. I thought I'd be one among those leaping for joy, but my cat had other plans. And I know that others with dogs tried to hush their barks early in the night, clinging on to hope that their neighbors would not wake up. And I know others with kids or grandkids started their day well before sunrise. And others, like my friend, who is very skeptical about this whole daylight savings thing, leans over to me and says, how is it that the sun set at 7 p.m. yesterday? We turned our clock backs one hour, and now it is setting at 4 p.m. Someone is messing with us. Whether we are the ones that love that extra hour of sleep, or those who lost more sleep that night and night after, nights after, we now welcome shorter sunlit days. Wherever we are around 4.15 in the afternoon, here in New England, we say goodnight to the sun. And so the earlier nighttime becomes a part of our everyday life. With that change in time, we begin Advent. As most of you know, Advent marks the four weeks leading up to Christmas. It is a period of time when we wait and prepare for the birth of Christ. It is a time for wandering and wandering. As the world around us busily prepares for Christmas, which I know I am guilty of, we seek church and find refuge in the quiet, in the silence, and in the dark. In our scripture reading today, John the Baptist embraces this time of wondering. As you may recall, John is the forerunner of Jesus. He spoke about Jesus in public and began baptisms that would prepare people for Jesus' ministry. But today, John is in prison, locked up for who knows how much longer. He sits there spending most of his time just waiting to see what Jesus will do next. As he waits, he decides to send his disciples to go ask Jesus, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? After everything he did to prepare for Jesus' arrival, he questions. He doubts who Jesus is. But then I remember, earlier in Matthew, we witnessed John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. John knows who Jesus is. After all, he baptized him. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to John, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. I mean, John, what else do you need? The heavens literally opened up before your eyes. This leads me to believe that John's question is not all about doubt. Because I also see a flickering of hope, a flickering of faith. 
And so I believe the question here, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? It's not whether or not Jesus is the Messiah, but what does being the Messiah mean? Will Jesus free him from captivity? Will Jesus overthrow the Roman Empire? Will Jesus end this booming oppression John and many first-century Jewish people lived under? Will Jesus heal the current political division that has wounded our country? Will Jesus free the immigrants, families, and children who are in cages, locked up in detention centers? Will Jesus save our planet from us? And so we see John holds both doubt and faith. Faith in who Jesus is, and doubt in what Jesus can and will do. When I was talking to Amy about this passage, she illuminated a question for me that captured all that I was feeling. What does it mean to hold both doubt and faith? When I look back in my life, I am reminded of the hope, faith, and excitement I felt as a senior in college. I grew up going to ballet classes, and for a long time, ballet had been my spiritual home, especially as I began to realize that I would no longer be welcomed in the churches I grew up in as a gay woman. Ballet was my first real connection to faith, even though I had grown up in those Christian churches. I saw my body and what it could do as a gift. Nothing seemed impossible. I mean, initially it would, but then you would work at it and work at it, and your body would surprise you. When I moved, there was this energy that radiated from my soul to my fingertips. When I traveled across the classroom or the stage, when I was in the air, even for a split second, I felt invincible. The reason I call this all faith is because I could see myself doing something, being a part of something, a ballet, a production, that was bigger than me. No matter what else happened in my life, troubles at home or at school, dance was always there. It never left me. It was always accessible. It was right here, my own body. In my senior year, I decided I wanted to pursue dance. I had a plan. I had a housing internship lined up in New York City that would give me free housing. I could make it work. And then on graduation weekend of my senior year, I injured my ankle. I thought it would just be a few weeks of healing. But as I visited doctor after doctor, I was told that I would not be able to dance again. They warned me that after months of healing, dancing, especially ballet, would be the worst thing for it. I would inevitably injure it again. I was overwhelmed with doubt. I had finally built up enough courage to just go for it, to give dance as a profession a shot, 
And here I was, just merely walking was painful. And career aside, I wondered how I could keep myself sane or even happy when that one thing that transformed me was gone. Because I see belief as something that can move us, that can motivate us, but faith as something that can transform us. With this experience of doubt, I was desperately hoping to cling on to something, something that would fill me the same way ballet did. So I started to return to church. I began by visiting Unitarian Universalist churches, thinking that would be the safest spiritual community for me to join. And then, one Sunday, I accidentally stumbled upon Metropolitan Community Church of New York. MCC New York is part of this larger denomination, MCC, which was founded by Troy Perry in 1968. It began to give a spiritual and religious space for queer and trans people who had been exiled from their church homes. And it all began a small gathering in a living room and now has grown to be a denomination. And so there, one chilly day in September, I saw a sanctuary full of LGBTQ plus people who were also Christian. This was an extremely radical experience for me. Looking back now, I believe it was God who led me there to begin my religious and spiritual healing, which eventually led me to divinity school and now here. Of course, at the time, I did not know how my life would unfold. I was still feeling doubt, unsure of what I was doing, who I was, questions I am sure we have all faced and will continue to face at different times in our life. But I learned something. I learned something about faith that changed my life. A pastor from this church told me that it is okay and actually quite normal to not feel a full heart of faith at every second of the day, every day of the year. And it is also okay to not feel a full heart of faith even for a long period of time. A pastor. And I also recently heard from Kent that a monk he was talking to said the hardest thing in the 20 or 30 plus years of living in a monastery was holding on to faith. A monk. You mean that pastors and monks are all human beings? Not supernatural, limitless vessels of faith. And I expand this notion of faith to not only include a faith in God, but faith in a better world, faith in an end to poverty, faith in an end to violence, faith in our purpose, as human beings in this life. And the beautiful thing about faith is that when we do not have it, someone else in the world does. And they carry that faith for us. I realized that while I was feeling doubt, the people in my life were holding on to faith for me. My mother, my sister, my friends, they all had faith that I would find my way again and I would also be able to dance again. 
whether or not as a professional. And they were right. I embarked on a long journey of physical therapy and was then able to start taking ballet classes again. I met my now wife and followed my call to ministry. Although, if I'm being honest, I'm still finding my way, but aren't we all? MCC carried my Christian faith for me while I healed. When we experience that, it does not mean that faith is gone, that it disappeared. It just means that we are not necessarily the ones holding it right now in this moment. Jesus' response to John captures this need for community. And then Jesus responds, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blinds receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Amy and Kent helped me see that it is possible that Jesus is not referring to individual bodies, but alluding to the body of Christ, alluding to us as one community, one body. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 12, So in Christ, we who are many are one body, and each member belongs to one another. Each of us, as a part of the body of Christ, has the ability to hold faith for each other. As Susan shared in our worship meeting, we could think about this idea like a choir. A choir is made up of many different voices with many different ranges. And the little bit that I know about singing in a choir is that sometimes you do not hit all those notes. But someone, or maybe that's just me, but someone else in the moment does. And I think Advent is the perfect time as we prepare for the coming of Christ to remember we are all part of one larger body, one larger community, and that we need each other. Advent does not require us to be hopeful and full of faith the whole time. In fact, I think the point is to let our more genuine human sides shine through, like John the Baptist modeled. For some of us, right here, right now, a heart full of faith is genuine. And for some of us, it's just not. And for some of us, our hearts may feel empty. All of those experiences are real, and they are all okay. In those moments when we find ourselves asking, where is God? Is there a God? I invite you to remember that as we are experiencing an earlier nighttime here, others elsewhere in the world are experiencing daytime. Someone is holding on to that faith for us. The sun and the moon exist simultaneously in the universe because God is in all of it. God is with us in our doubts. God is with us in our faith. It is okay for us to just let go. Friends, may we go forth holding each other in times of doubt and in times of faith as one body in Christ. Amen.